are back. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to Match Point Number Nine, a Tennis Bets podcast. I'm one of two hosts here, David EJ Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9 Tennis on X these days and all the socials as well. If this is your first time listening, chances are you found us. Welcome in. Hello. If you're a returning listener, a returning champion, welcome in. With me, as always, now that Derek is dead to us, (laughs) (laughs) Um, is Mr. John Reed. I'm in California, and we're going to take it to Canada. You can find him at Jerry Tweets Tennis. He does betting content for his own brand, Tidbits Tennis. He writes for the Action Network, betting expert, Hammer HQ. He does tennis form recaps. John, welcome in. Thank you. Thank you. You can go CA to CA, state code to country code, right? They're both CAs, technically. I'm not on X, though. I'm on Twitter. I still call it the Sky Dome. The place where the Blue Jays play. It has been Rogers Center for the last, I don't know how many years, 10 or 15. Not too old. I call it Skydome. I'm calling it Twitter. Uh, I work stick with it. And also, I'm holding out hope Derek is going to come back in 2024. Once the burnout goes away and a new season starts and there's no tennis to have been missed, can jump back in for the Australian thing. I'm, hold, I'm holding out hope, whether it's realistic or not. Uh, he'll be back for uh, a show or two in the future, for sure. But it's crypto. Crypto. Uh, <laughs> The crypto.com stadium now here, not Staples. I still slip up and call it Staples. And also, like, I mean, it's only a matter of time until crypto.com just blows up. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, and here's here's the thing. One quick digression, if you will, on stadium names is they pay, like, I call it the ACC for the Leafs Arena, too. They switch from the main airliner here in Canada to one of the big banks. Listen, they paid Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. They didn't pay me. I don't have to call it that. You want me to call it Rogers Center and Scotiabank Arena? You come pay me. Till then, screw you. <laughs> I'm gonna hold on to my childhood or memories. <laughs> Tradition matters, John. Tradition matters. Right. All right. Well, we are a tennis uh, betting podcast, not a sports stadium name <laughs> podcast. So let's uh, get back to the topic at hand. Uh, we always kick it off with our accountability segment. And what did we win? What did we learn? Uh, it's been a little bit, so this is uh, kind of stale. So we'll blow through it we missed toronto last week so these are dc matches we're going to talk about so we're going all the way back to to dc here uh, but we back gail monfis versus alexander bublik as a dog cash it back greek spore as a favorite as a slight favorite versus liam brody cash that uh, over in kitzbühel we back sebastian baez as a favorite over rcb that cash let's pivot to the losses now i Mentioned Radu Albot, who had already banked a plus 200 win versus Giron as a, a, a chance for a money line rollover as a big dog against JJ Wolf, and he was crushed. So there you go. <laughs> uh, we also backed Gregor Barrer over Dan Evans, and Dan Evans messed around and won the whole thing. So, <laughs> but I will say it is, I will appreciate our our pod for looking out for the the money line rollovers because man Greekspor and evans were the definition of that finalist there in dc so I, we were on to something with the the strategy just not the right players we also mentioned tommy paul in our los cabos talk we mentioned backing tommy paul at a nice plus price got about plus 135 versus adm alex or in a rematch of their acapulco match tommy of course goes up 3-1 and uh, loses 6-3 so Take the L on that one myself. And that is it. While we were away, uh, Yannick Center won Toronto. John, you were out at the event, I believe, correct? No, I missed it. I didn't get to anything. Oh, I thought you went out I, I, I go Now, I go every year when the uh, when the women are here. The men's stuff is like they sell grandstands separately. The tickets are more expensive. It's more packed. Uh, there was rain three of the days in the forecast, and the fourth day was like between 
the the actual heat and the humidex so the humidity in the air was like over 100 degrees and that's just not going to happen that was the day cheat the spread was there one of the guys on twitter it's just it wasn't the week for me and i almost went to the quarters and then ended up having people over for a barbecue instead and the quarters ended up being freaking awesome so uh yeah that was that was my mistake but no i didn't get to go uh i'll go when the women are in toronto next year and then it'll be game time decision with the men the year after as always well it was your birthday week last week so happy belated birthday to you john Thank you, thank you. So you could you could do what you want. It's your birthday. <laughs> Quick recap of Toronto. I mean, it was a pretty wonky week. A lot of a lot of surprises, a lot of upsets. The most impressive thing to me, though, of Yannick Sinner's title run. I'll focus in on that. His serve, I think, is still not where they want it to be. I, I mean, he w- wins his biggest title of his career, a thousand event. I'm not here to not praise him because he played great all week. But I will point out. After a strong opening match versus Berrettini, where he hit 65% of his first serves, or landed them, rather, 50% first serves landed versus ADM in the final, only 46 against Tommy in the semifinal, 49 versus Monfils. Uh, he was broken by each of those last three opponents, uh, despite a straight set win versus Tommy and ADM. So, I don't know. It's like, I, I, I want to praise Yannick, and obviously we're seeing... A little bit of, of the promise being met uh, of the young Italian, but still some question marks for me heading into the U.S. Open. Uh, John, what did you think of Yannick Sinner's week, where it serves at? Any lingering Toronto thoughts for you? I think his, I mean, his serve isn't that bad. I think that's certainly the issue is, is landing the first, but he's he's getting enough on those. And I think he, he all, not always has, but it's always been a knock on him because his serve isn't as elite as his ground strokes, right? And the thing is, he's got some of the best in the game from the baseline. And so I think that's really tough to to kind of hold him, his serve to the standard of his ground strokes because he doesn't need it to be. He just needs to be really strong, which I mean, when it lands, it kind of is, but it also means there's, there's room to improve. He's still a kid, right? And I know this is, I think his first master's title. So that was awesome to see. Good for him. It's progression, which is important. The ground game was incredible all week and he held up physically. I think at this point, if you're a Yannick Sinner fan, you're taking away several positives from that week if not, you know, looking at it and saying there is still something to work on, which again, in your early 20s, there that's going to happen, right? I think Sebi Korda is the exact same way. Great ground game, probably still wants a little more from his serve, but he just hasn't done the things Yannick Sinner has done in the in the few years they've been on tour. So I think Yannick has plenty uh, to be happy about. And maybe this week in Cincinnati, he can take a tiny bit off and try and land more first serves. And who knows, with with the quicker courts in, uh, in the Midwest, good chance that uh, that that kind of plan works as well. More landed, just as potent with a few less miles per hour on him, but with the court speeding things up, maybe that helps gain those few miles back. We'll see how his team approaches it and how he uh, how he approaches it when he takes the court this week. All right, well, we're talking about Cincinnati already, so let's get into it. Let's pivot over to a full Cincinnati talk here right after I talk to you about Spotify for podcasters. All right, John, a quick tournament overview of this Cincinnati event. Uh, this outdoor hardcore event has existed in some form since 1899. It's got a long history and there was talk of moving it to the south, but I think those talks have stalled. Have you heard anything more about that? No, I'm not. Like, it's tough to find this kind of news because it's on, like, different random websites and the sources, you never know if they're reliable or not, so it's it's tough to, to figure out. But, I mean, you're on the border of the south anyway. They're right on the Mason-Dixon line, right? 
Cincinnati? As someone from Ohio, we get the Midwest tag a lot, but we're tag. Per, per, pretty East. I would say we're pretty East Coast. I mean, this is like you're getting down to like Kentucky area. So, but yeah, I would I would still qualify Ohio as more East Coast than uh, Midwest. But, you know, it's just my personal opinion um, as someone who is from there. Pretty rural, though. I mean, I'm from a very small town. So I get the Midwest tag. Uh, it's been a 1,000 event since 1990, and it's uh, one of the highlights of the U.S. Tour run up to the actual U.S. Open, which is now days away. Last year, Borna Chorich was a surprise winner, having retired from a clay match in late July. Some might say his piss was dirtier than the Hudson River, but we won't on this podcast, John, because we're too classy for that. We're, we're way too classy, so we won't say that. Uh, he <laughs> Borna beat rival Steph Sitsipas and the final Steph dusted Borna in Los Cabos earlier this month. Uh, Borna wins as a dog versus Sebastian Corda in round one over two days here this week. Other recent winners include Alex Zverev, Novak Djokovic, Daniil Medvedev, Novak again, Grigor Dimitrov, Marin Cilic, and then a whole lot of Roger, Rafa, and Andy Murray. After that, uh, going back in time, fast, hardcore here. But during qualities, I I noticed a lot of multiple break sets. So while tie breaks are inevitable, I, I wouldn't be shocked uh, to see some surprises along the way here in terms of holds, uh, as we are, are expecting the whole percentage to tick up. But I just watched a clip of Fritz with uh, Prakash from uh, Tennis Channel uh, right before we hit record here. And, and he had some comments that I was like live tran- live transcribing about the courts here. He says it's fast and bouncy. Uh, he takes a cut on a ball and it feels like it's gone. That's the same balls as last week, but he feels like they're new balls compared to last week. They're, they're harder, but as they play, I guess, uh, they're getting faster as they're getting more worn. He says they become like a bullet, hard to control. Uh, it seems like an adjustment period is going to be happening uh, for players this week compared to last week. John, what are your thoughts on Cincinnati and what you've seen so far in terms of uh, conditions and everything? Well, there hasn't been a whole heck of a lot to glean from <laughs> anything because not a lot finished yesterday. Not a lot played yesterday. There was rain dampening things. That's going to slow everything down. So it's not really the greatest indicator. Today's probably going to be a, a better indicator. It's still somewhat cloudy, but the rain's held off so far. And they finished at least the first slate of matches and, and they're on to the the seconds and some to be finished have completed as well. So they're starting to get some matches in, which is nice to see. Uh, it's windy as well today, though, and that can slow things down a bit. If not because it slows things, the wind slows things down in its own right. But sometimes players play with more topspin and play a more cautious game uh, when it's windy. You saw it in the beginning of Dimitrov and Zverev. Zverev's t- dialed it up a bit since, but just watching this match, it started off with both guys hitting with a ton of topspin. Some of them still sailing it long. So if it's windy out, keep that in mind too, that it may not be the greatest indicator of the court pace for the future days, right? So if things seem a little off kilter today, because it's a little bit windy, at least while we're recording, it is midday. Do not take that as gospel as that's the way it's going to play all week. Because if the sun comes out, the wind dies down, the balls are going to start flying again, right? The courts are going to take over. I believe I saw advertisements for green set in uh, the crowd. Those banners, I would assume, means that this is played on green set. I'm also looking at the PDF of the draw and I'm seeing green set as well. Green set is always a quicker court. That is what they use in Australia or at least used to use. I don't know if they've got a deco turf or not, but the point is those are some, and they're also what the French indoor courts use uh, a lot of the time. So needless to say, the type of court they're on almost always plays fast as well. You're going to see quick conditions uh, adjust accordingly to who you're going to back. Yeah, you mentioned the wind. Weather-wise, uh, yeah, the wind has been there. We've seen some rain already, but it looks like that should be it, although it is Ohio, and as someone uh, from Ohio, as I mentioned originally, uh, don't rule it out. 
because <laughs> uh, it's going to be humid and and chaos happens uh, with high temps and humidity. It'll be high 80s, getting into the 90s as the week goes on. And yeah, humidity uh, pretty high, 70%, 80%. So it's going to be uh, nice and sweaty for these players out there. Definitely always keep in mind uh, the fitness on this leg of the tour, as I mentioned, every week now until um, we hit, hit back the indoor scene on the other side of uh, the USO. Well, big headlines so far. I mean, we've seen uh, Felix uh, FAA. He actually won a match. Pretty sweet. Beats Berrettini. He managed to play someone worse than him, so he was able to get a win. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. I was like, give me the comment. There's got to be a comment here, because if you don't make it, I will. <laughs> um, he was a pretty big dog. I got him plus 135. I bet him live. Um, I wish I would have got him um, pre-first serve, but I when he got the break in the second set and and consolidated and seemed to be cruising, I got him at plus 135. So I was like, he's going to win this match, I feel. And uh, he did. So that was pretty good. I also backed uh, Warinka versus Nakashima. He picks up a nice win for me. Hit Popper in live earlier when he was down. Pretty good. Since he's going pretty good so far for me. So let's dip into this draw talk here, John. Now, we've seen a lot of chaos over the last few weeks, uh, and I don't see it not happening here because the, the sport does have its top end guys, but, you know, it, it is kind of wide open uh, a lot of times, uh, depending on uh, the day and the match. I was still Tommy Paul beat Carlos again in Toronto last week, but this draw has the top seeds and the top threats to win this thing pretty well spread out in, in every quarter. Uh, Alcaraz is your top seed. Novak is your two seed on the bottom. The three seed Medvedev uh, is also on the Novak uh, part of the draw, but it's Med and Runa in a quarter, and then Rublev, Sitsipas on the bottom part of the Alcaraz half here. So it's not like a, a lot of draws we see where there's like little pockets where uh, there's someone, you know, the top seed is a little susceptible to losing. And not that these guys aren't, but it, it's pretty loaded, uh, I guess is my point, John. What do you, What do you think? Yeah, in any tournament where there's Alcaraz and Djokovic, draw talk comes down to one of those is one of those two is winning it over sixty percent of the time. Probably that that that's being safe, right? <laughs> like they're probably closer to 75 percent when they're both in the draw. I don't trust Sitsipas on a quick court, but he's made the final here and he's made a semi. Okay, cool. Who's he beaten? Give me the best name he's beaten in the last few years on his run. Medvedev last year in three sets. Other than that, like who? Even, even if I give you the year where it was played in New York during COVID, he beat an aging Kevin Anderson. He needed two tie breaks against Isner. And then he beat uh, Apelka via a first set retirement. And that was going to go to a tie break too. And what, the year after, like Felix in three, Sonego in three. And then last year, like there was Schwartzman in there, Krajinovic, Isner in three sets. Like he's got a good win against Medvedev here. I'll give him that. But prior to the last uh, couple of years, he has been like he was out. He's also had a lot of early exits and I would not be surprised. And and I'm not kidding. I would not be surprised if Ben Shelton beat him in his first match here. Uh, if Shelton plays a relatively clean match, plays the way he did against Alcaraz, put it that way. He's winning that match with that lefty into that, that lefty serve and forehand into since he passes backhand on these courts. He plays relatively cleanly. He can absolutely pull that upset. So I'm going to throw since he pass out the window now. And of course, he'll make the final again, but that's judging based on his quality of wins here and his game style on these courts. I don't trust him. Medvedev hasn't had the form. I don't know what it is, whether it's just the serve and push coming back to bite him, like regression, like we're seeing with Hubie Hercatch, or if it's like a mental thing where he's just deep into the season, not engaged, and he's getting ready for the US Open. He didn't look very good in Toronto at all, even in his wins. 
against, who was it, Musetti and Arnaldi. Then he goes out to Demonor in a match he really should not lose. So, I, I mean, there's question marks for, for Medvedev. Okay, so for me, it's like, can Sinner take Djokovic out after a long week in Toronto? And who's going to stop Alcaraz in the first quarter? Like, Francis Tiafo? Mm-hmm. Tommy Paul again? Like, you can, you know Alcaraz is like, really, dude? This guy beats me Canada 2022, Canada 2023, and now Tommy Paul. I mean, he dominated Kichmanovic regardless of that scoreline. It was just, he was really bad in big moments. But if he gets through Ugo and Bear, it's like, here he is again. Tommy Paul calls Alcaraz. So, I mean, maybe Tommy will have his number, but I just don't know who stops Carlos before that final. I really don't. Especially coming off a poor week. I would not want to be anyone in Carlos Alcaraz's path uh, this week in that top half of the draw. Right. I mean, a sexy pick would be Big Foe, but we we kind of did this already with Wimbledon. <laughs> and yeah. that proved to be, uh, well, it didn't even happen because Tiafo couldn't even make it there. Um, so, I, I mean, I also I, bet him against Milos Raonic and he got, he looked just stupid. So, you know, there's that. Well, I, I especially think the, the queer conditions are not Tommy friendly. Um, that's why he's like done well in Acapulco, Toronto last week, Cabo. But he's also had success in Australia, which is odd. And I think. There's, true, I think there's true. this argument to be made that more time does him well because he's athletic, but against better players, like medium to medium fast helps him because he needs that oomph to try and get cheaper points. I mean, you saw him against Alcaraz last week. It was just, I'm going to go balls to the wall, flatten out every forehand, hammer it, and try and find an angle. And he just didn't miss, and it worked. But it wasn't like he was playing a very high, like high-margin game. Alcaraz was making errors, and Tommy was just going ultra-aggressive, and it was working. I feel like that kind of style will will work out more on quicker courts for him because if he has to do that 10 times in a rally against Alcaraz, he's going to get his ass kicked. But if he only has to do it two or three times to win a point, you you can feasibly do that. It's still not the highest margin, that, that like the most likely path to victory, but it certainly is better than if you're on a slower court where Alcaraz is just going to get to so much more and you have to play that low margin style and make more balls. That's a tough combination. So I think like in certain spots, Tommy's game will work on quicker courts. And I think we saw that in Australia and I definitely think he's more comfortable in the Indian Wells, Acapulco, or even Toronto, which is like medium side of things, but against better players, perhaps these quicker courts kind of help him close some of that gap. If that makes any sense. It does. What do you think about Hubie Hercash uh, here? Same thing as I always think about Hubie Hercatch. Flip a coin and see how it lands. I know, but... I mean, he's playing... <laughs> I, I feel like variance is like... He's due for positive variance. <laughs> is and he, though? He's got his 50-50 tiebreak record going. Like, he has had his... He's He's got what he deserves. Like, the thing with Hubie is his forehand just isn't good enough. It doesn't attack enough. And when he hits it, Damian Kush does a great job talking about this. When he tries to come into net, which he should do more often... Um, because he just doesn't have those weapons from the baseline for a guy his size. When he does try and come in, his approach, the shot that he hits, his approach shot, aka the shot he hits right before he comes to net for the more uh, casual kind of listeners, um, it's just not good enough. His forehand is is too wonky. Oftentimes he puts it into net, or he hits it too centrally and it's easy to pass him, or he just sails it long, right? And he, has, he, he really needs to work on that, that approach forehand uh, if he's going to try and come into net more, he's just got that that forehand lets him down too often uh, for him to really be that dominant player. He's regressing this year, and he should. If we're being totally honest, he is not a top five or ten player in the world. He's not even close. He's a top maybe five or ten server, but not player. He's got too many holes uh, from the baseline, and I think that's that's kind of costing him this year. He's down to, what, 19th or 20th in the rankings? Probably more suitable. I still think you could put him at 25, and I wouldn't say he's underranked 
or underrated by the rankings, uh, if you will. And I think today, you know, he's in another coin flip, coin flip matchup. I've got that match going over. I wrote it up and I've got a small bet on Kokonakis money line. It would have been larger if it weren't for the fact that Kokonakis has repeatedly lost from leading positions and, and really struggled in big moments in third sets of late. But, and that's where Hubie has excelled in the past is kind of in big moments in the third sets and closing matches out. But it's a tough draw for him. Like on a quick court against that serve forehand combo, what is he supposed to do on return? Like both these guys have, by the way, coming into this, both these guys on hard courts this year, I think like 87 and 88% hold rates and 17 and 17.8% break rates. They're like the same player, right? So, I mean, it's just, it feels like another flip for Hubie. And like statistically, it, that backs it up. The serves on offer, the court speed, everything feels like a flip for Hubie, for Hubie now. He also has not fared well here. Although, I mean, he's in classic Hubie style, he's, Mainly lost at tiebreak. <laughs> uh, he lost uh, to Isner in in three sets last year. He lost to Isner in 2020 here as well. Um, no tiebreak in that one. Seven five six four. Uh, lost to Busta though in two tiebreaks la- in 2021. Yeah, he's he it looks like he hasn't made it past the the third round here. So uh, yeah, and I agree. He's pretty Kokonak is pretty pretty live today. This will be out after that probably has happened. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm on the over uh, 10 and a half at plus 130 uh, in that one set one. Um, yeah, I just I think draw talk wise, there's there's not a whole hell of a lot to love about Hubie Hercatch because even if he wins that, then it's Borna Chorich who apparently loves it in Cincinnati and who has I don't know if he can return Hercatch on a good day when he's when Hercatch is serving, but like if Hercatch is middling with his first serve percentage. Chorich is going to be the better player there because he's he, his serve seems to play up here. And then it's either Sitsipas or Shelton, right? Like, again, I think he's the dog there. I think he's the dog next. He won't be priced as the dog, but I do think Chorich is more likely to win than him. He's got a tough, like, it's just not a great draw for Hubie Hercatch on in quick conditions. I don't know if there are good draws, but these this certainly isn't it if, if there are any good draws for him. We're staring down Zverev Medvedev uh, again, I'm afraid, as well. Oh, lovely. Entertaining <laughs> tennis, that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Zverev's up uh, a set and looks like he's about to break uh, Dimitrov. Dimitrov, man, so random his his year. He's his best year since 2017, uh, arguably. And he's Drew Zverev, and now he's about to lose his three sets. <laughs> this event. Yeah, he just looks, he looks out of sorts. I think the third, like your third quarter, though, this is a great shot for a guy like Holgaruna, man. Look at his section. Mackie or Hoffman in the second round. And then and he's got a bye. And then he's got either Manorino or Ogiel Yassim after that for the third round. I mean, Manorino can be tricky, but certainly doesn't have the the natural game to to really trouble Runa if Runa's on. And Felix has looked terrible. Even in his win, he looked less terrible than a terrible Berrettini. You know what I mean? As you alluded to earlier. The There's been nothing was inspiring about his game. Yeah, the forehand yeah. was lacking. And if that's... Dude, if the forehand is lacking, he's in trouble. <laughs> like the backhand, we know. The forehand is like you're really in trouble. Um, I I do wonder though. I mean, FAA. Listen, obviously he's been bad for a, a long stretch, but in in a vacuum, though, he's been a pretty good player over the last couple years. Uh, I do wonder if like he trends up and maybe the the backhand or the forehand snaps in, and you're still getting these bad prices on him because he's been so bad. You already picked up a plus one seventy five win against him. We we don't have the the Manorino. I assume he'll be a favorite against Manorino, and that'll be a tough. He is. Bet. He is. God, Manorino's Manorino. been bet down though. 
from 165 to 145. Yeah, that's too much. I actually <laughs> not a good rollover candidate, actually, shoot. Because I feel like Manorino could could beat this form of FAA. Because he just he can't hang in a rally. And if Manorino is gonna make him play a lot of like just kind of like old man game him, just force him to play a lot from the baseline, like it's just could be a straight set win for Manorino. Cross court um, forehand into backhand, just just r- rinse and repeat, and you've got a, a decent path to victory there for Manorino. Well, is there any uh, one that you have eyed as uh, a surprise or could shock? I kind of like that Shelton over Sitsipas, which it would be a shock because Ben has been not very good despite one solid performance against Alcaraz, where he covered in the over in the over came in. Yeah, I, I think that's just that's probably my look just because of the match again the matchup right. You're on these courts. Sitsi Pass has been good here the last couple of years. Okay, can't take that away from him in terms of results, but I just I haven't really bought into any of his wins other than Medvedev. That goes three. Uh, big servers can can always keep things close against him in quick conditions. You have that in Shelton. Plus, you've got the lefty game of Shelton smart. Whether he's hitting flat or he's going to play a little more spin, just keep going across that backhand where Sitsi Pass struggles to attack and can even struggle to defend if you if you get a short ball and rip it to that to that side of the court. If he's got the right game plan, he should be he should be able to push Sitsi Pass. And again, if he's going to push him, I'm probably going to like his odds in the uh, in the money line market as well. So I don't I don't mind that. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's, it's hard to pick dark horses right now on the ATP tour because like Yannick Sinner's playing well and he's got a huge game. And anytime you've got Djokovic and Alcaraz both in a draw, one, it's hard to pick a dark horse to win the overall event. Two, that wipes out like two of the four quarters, right? In terms of quarter betting for me. Djokovic isn't here to win a match and go to the US Open. Like he skips Canada to play this event, to go, like, he he's here to try and win it, and then he takes another week off. That's plenty of rest. Uh, he's Yeah, he's not here for a match and appearance fee, right? I don't, th- I don't think he gets to a Masters events, but just to his motivation, I- I'm not concerned about that. So it's like, to me, that wipes out a lot of quarter betting, too. There's just, it's hard to pick dark horses when, when those two guys are eating up any line in the draw, right? It takes out overall outrights from play, usually. It takes out quarter outrights, especially with the hold on those. So for me, it's just... Look for individual matchups. Maybe look to the other quarters. Maybe try and find a, a dark horse in that third quarter or that second quarter. Preferably the second quarter away from Rublev. Uh, someone like Shelton. But I've, you know, if I like him in that individual match, he's into the third round. Obviously, you know, he's already kind of by default a, a dark horse making a, a nice run. Um, or like Chorich again, I guess. Maybe. Who knows? But it's got to be something like that for me. Uh, Fritz could be an unlikely dog here as a guy who's won 43 matches on this tour uh, before we even hit the U.S. Open, the last Grand Slam this year. And rightfully so. we got Sinner. we got Djokovic he's facing. But, man, if they're hanging a, a pretty sizable number with Fritz, I, we've seen him push both players uh, in the past. I, Fritz, to me, is always a tricky guy as a favorite, but Man, this this could be a juicy dog spot for uh, for Mister Fritz. Obviously, he'll have the backing here as the uh, uh, American. I-, I wanted to see what the, the numbers are going to be for Fritz here, uh, moving forward. Uh, the one question is: Are the legs starting to feel it a bit? Like the first serve, uh, at least the first serve points one have have come down a little bit. Well, at least from Atlanta where he was on fire, but those numbers have come down a tad. So that Yannick Sinner match could be a tough spot. You you wonder if. Yes, could Sinner have his legs feeling it after a long week in Toronto? 
Sure, but I mean, Fritz, the accumulation of tennis the last month could also be a concern. So I, I think that almost is at a wash, and I'll I'll take Sinner in that um, more than I'll take more often than I'll take Fritz in that matchup. And I mean, the market will reflect that obviously too. That's not a hot take, but um, I, I can certainly see like he won't be a he won't be a dog in his second rounder. No, but if I I think he was like plus one ten ish in their Indian Wells matchup, I think he'll tip plus one thirty one forty uh, yes. in his matchup against Sinner. Yes. And uh, you know what? If Sinner is going to land sub 50% first serves, he will lose this match to Taylor Fritz. I just believe that will happen. So if we're going to get a bigger price on him, I don't mind uh, backing Fritz down the line here. Now he's got to beat. Um, I, I also could see Fritz randomly losing to Lorenzo Sinego, uh <laughs> because oh, God. that's Taylor Fritz's uh, MO. But. Uh, if he's able to get up that get to that matchup, I, I do kind of like a, a, a dog Fritz uh, moving forward. All right, John. Well, we have a couple matches. You mentioned the Shelton one. Sadly, there's not more matches for us to dive into at this time. But Shelton is plus three hundred as a dog. Sitsipas is minus three eighty. The spread is three and a half. Pretty neutral. Twenty two and a half here. For a big server like Shelton, I know you're a dog over combo guy, and you mentioned liking Shelton in the spot. Are you are you doing the John Reed classic with this one? Yeah, I'll probably throw in a plus one and a half sets too, um, just in case Shelton somehow finds a break in each set and runs away with it. Like I had, I I had to throw it in last minute, but I had Mofis over against Cynthia Pass in Toronto. Then I was like, you know what? I can absolutely see Mofis. The way I wrote that matchup, I'm like, this actually makes it sound like Mofis has a really good shot to win because the thing is, he's got weapons. People don't think of it, but like, it's how he made top 10 in the world way back when is he's got a big serve forehand combo in his own right. And he can absolutely run down and defend against since he passes weapons. And he did. And I'm like, I got to throw plus one and a half sets here just in case Mofis tilts you with a straight sets win, which he then went on to do. Shelton has, he doesn't have the returning abilities of Mofis yet, but he has that same athletic profile. And I know these are quicker courts and he's not as good of a returner, but man, Pass has like two bad service games throughout the entire match with a, a too many second serve, too many second serves he, that he has to play. And that could be it. Literally, that's all it would take. I can see a scenario in which Shelton wins this without being broken, right? I still think the over looks good. Obviously, if it's at 22 and a half and not at 23 or 23 and a half, I could make the case that it belongs where the Hercotch Kokonakis uh, line is. That's at 23 and a half. That overlooks great. That looks like a, a, a full game across two very key half games, too. So that obviously looks phenomenal. So definitely count that in. But again, that plus one and a half sets is at plus money right now. And I just I feel like that is such a nice little hedge to have. And and again, if this does go where where you have one tie break and two ultra tight sets where it's very serve oriented. Yeah. I want to have plus one and a half sets in the spot where if they're both going to be super close, I only need to win one of the two flips with the more athletic younger player who does prefer quick conditions more than his opponent. Even if his opponent is more talented, even if his opponent is ranked in the top 10, there are certain things that come into play in this particular matchup that really make me like Ben Shelton. If this goes to two tie breaks, I do think he's got a great shot to win one of them well over 50% of the time. So I'll go ahead and take, or sorry, at least one of the two tie breaks over 50% of the time. I'll go ahead and take the plus one and a half sets, the over, and probably the money line. Um, obviously, different unit sizings, probably 1-1 one, one and 0. 0.5. But I'm big on Shelton in this, in this particular matchup uh, on these particular courts. 
Certainly like Sheldon as a dog, uh, a guy who uh, obviously shaky in those two back-to-back ma- matches versus Jerry Shung, but a guy who likes the spotlight, who likes to play up, he'll have the crowd here. He'll definitely be yeah. looking to um, play his best tennis as opposed to, is he really getting jacked up to play Jerry Shung? This is my whole problem with Ben Shelton. It's like, I feel like he just needs to become a little bit more professional. I think a lot of it is like how serious he takes these matches. And uh, I, I think this is a good spot for him to uh, be the celebrity uh, that he wants to be uh, versus Sitsi Paz. So I expect a big effort. That'll be a night match, right? That has to be a night match. Young American budding, su- not budding superstar, but like budding star with the big emotions, huge entertaining game against a top five or 10 player in the world who has gone deep at the past two events, like all the things as an, as a tournament organizer, you would want for a night match. This kind of has it, right? Unless I guess Djokovic is going to eat up one of the night matches probably tomorrow, but this could be like the grandstand 7 p.m. match. But certainly this is going to be an evening match, right? Yeah. All right. What do you think about, okay, Yannick Sinner and uh, Dusan Lajovic. Dusan is plus 375 for the first set. He's had three matches under his legs here. I just mentioned Fritz talking about the change in conditions last week to this week under the surface, even though they're the same balls, they're playing much differently. Uh, I don't know how much I'm sure center's putting in some practice time, but plus three seventy-five first set. Yeah. I think, I think I have to play it, John. I'm going to, I'll probably be on the under here. I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not letting Dushan live. scam his way to, this much respect in in the market. This is an over under 20. Jeez, I get it. I get the change of conditions, potential slow start. That has to be factored in. But at the same time, it's like, man, Yannick Sinner on a quick hard court against Dushan Lajevic. And you're telling me a 6-4-6-3, a two-break win for all intents and purposes, should he serve first in either set, gets you the win. A 6-4-6-4 standard scoreline, you're talking about a push. I just, I don't know if, I don't know if I can let that go by. And I mean, even if you price in Dushan's good form and having matches under his legs or Yannick off a long week in a different city, different conditions, I think even with those things factored in, this should be in the 19 to 19 and a half range. I think that is giving plenty of respect to Dushan Lajevic and his run through qualities. But we're at a, we're at a point here where we're giving him like to, to the even 20. I just, I don't see a scenario in which I can pass on that number. You get a plus 385% on bet online. I, I hear what you're saying though too. I mean, listen, Sinner's obviously got it so, rolling. You know this goes seven six six two Sinner. We both lose by the slimmest of margins, and the minus five pushes, and we're all seeing like, why don't we just take this the minus five with Sinner, the simple solution? That's exactly how this is going to end now. <laughs> our 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 uh, our listen and learns uh, our win and, and learn segment next time is going to be well, we took different sides of the Sinner match and somehow both lost. Can't wait! Can't wait! Uh, well, I just put 0.25 U on plus 385 for said money line. There you go. Uh, the guy, listen, I, I feel like these bit these guys that are uh, scamming serve bots. Not that that's really Dusan, but he's obviously got it rolling on a serve. Like I don't know, it's keeping. I just like I, every match after match, these like the, the guys on fire on serve continually fuck me. <laughs> So I'm going to lean into it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sadly, I think that's it, John. Uh, Those are only two, which is crazy because there's a bunch of, I don't know why there's no other lines up. 
I, yeah, I don't know why those wouldn't be up quicker than uh, some of these matches ended a while ago. Like Tommy's been done for over an hour and a half. Uh, and Umber's been done for about an hour. Hari was done yesterday. Papirin, well, that one makes a little more sense. But Vavrinka and Tiafo could have been lined by now. But who knows? Um, we do have we knew we know them. I think the last time Tiafo and Vavrinka played on a quick court, I saw like a what was it minus two or something, and was like, oh, this is the worst line I've ever seen. And then Stan pushed him to three tie breaks on grass. That was fun. And I'm just like, uh, it's not going to happen again because Stan is actually Stan beat him in three tie breaks. Yeah. Yes. Uh, seven, is six, three six, and, seven seven six three and oh head to head versus big foe yeah but i mean queen's club was a quick court last year somewhat relevant like 2019 stan versus 2023 stan like i don't know how much i can wait that seven five thirds that went over tiafo in acapulco different conditions again three years over three years ago now i don't know if i trust um those but i, I do think that that vavrink of tiafo data point is, has been stuck in my mind since last year. Before I even went to verify that it was three tie breaks with a rate of a 7-5 in there, I was pretty certain. Uh, I was just livid. I think Tiafo had a bunch of break points too and just couldn't convert him, but we'll see how that one plays out because, I mean, Stan just does not look like he has that that cra- that stamina necessary anymore. And didn't he take a, a medical timeout against Nakashima? He did. He was getting his leg rubbed down uh, between games uh, as he was serving that out. On day one. Hmm. So, we'll see. I will, that's well, a we shall point. see, but... Uh, I, the, I do I, think Tiafo is just, he's just a way better version of Nakashima, right? Like super skilled, super talented, likes quick courts, but for some reason his his break percentage is so much lower than it should be. So we'll see if he can improve that on uh, on Wednesday. These guys in their previous, I mean, London, now grass, but this will be similar quick conditions. Three tie break sets. The uh, 2020 match in Acapulco, you mentioned, two tie breaks. Uh, I, I mean, you might want to check out some tie break props uh in this matchup will there be a tie break um if it's like minus 150 i, I don't think that uh, like i would even lay some juice i think it's implied pretty pretty heavily here and I, I if it's a neutral 22 or 22 and a half on the total i i, I big time like the over uh in this one uh, i think the question is how big of a favorite will tiafo be how much is is our bookmakers and then subsequently once it's released the market when they shape this how much are they going to have that Head to head, uh, kind of bleed into the the prices on this matchup because the long the more time goes on, the more of a favorite Tiafo, at least in theory, should be. But this was just last year we saw Stan, who should have been a, a bigger dog, at least by my numbers, not just cover but win outright. How long can Stan kind of push this matchup along before Father Time catches up and says, yeah, no, this kid is just so much better than you. You're so much more talented. And maybe 10 years ago, you'd have a chance. But now you're, you know, 39. I know he's not 39 now. I'm saying how, let's say he pushes this two more years and they meet up again. At what point is Tiafo just going to start beating the crap out of him? It's got to happen, man. It has to. Logic dictates it. I just refuse to believe that Riverico will always have Tiafo's number until he retires. <laughs> like... What do you think about Poprin Jari? I imagine they'll jack that up to like a 23-24. If that opens up at a neutral 22 and a half total, you you have to play the over. Eight letter words starting in S. What would I call that? Can you take a guess? <laughs> Shit show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of that is one word. I, I kind of Jari it is actually kind of like Jari was obviously a, a really good bet during the Golden Swing. Had some nice wins during the clay season as well. Man, he is so completely average on a hard court. Like letting or like playing a pick match versus Geese Bruver in Acapulco 
Like that's bad. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. I mean, I think he's held up. He's held up on hard courts, which is, his, I think that's the fact that he, this year is, you know, seven and four on hard courts and four and three on grass. I think he would take that like a three set loss to Ugo and bear. Yeah, he'd take that. A, a two tiebreak, three set loss to Steph Sitsipas. I'd take that. Like if he's going to beat Roman Safiulin on a quick hard court, where like Roman is his best, he would take. He won a couple matches in. It's not like he's losing to garbage players. I mean, all right, John, you're right. I guess I just thought Jari would handle Bruford. I'm still bitter about that. <laughs> um. All right. Well, let's uh let's round to the finish here, John. We, we've said it all for Cincinnati so far. Follow John at Jared Tweets Tennis at Tibbetts Tennis. Follow us at MP9 Tennis. Do like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a rating and review. Even hopefully, I don't know, John, are you available to be back later this week? Maybe. Yep, maybe. All right. Well, potential episode later in the week. Until next time, see you in the court. <laughs>